Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 200 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Marico. Jacob. What's up? 200! Who, who would have thought all those years ago when we started this crazy little journey? I don't even remember when we started. I don't know how many years it's been. I don't know anything. The numbers are know, very helpful. I was trying to do the math on that, and I'm like, well, that doesn't seem right, because that's coming up to like four or five years if I'm doing the math on that. Like, that can't possibly be right. And then I Wait, got, really? It'd have to be, right? Because there's 50... And we've skipped a bunch of yeah. weeks for trips and holidays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was like, oh boy, I did not need like a cold touch of time <laughs> just touches you right on the shoulder when you start doing math. That's why it's evil. We're in good company though. Well, a lot of shows, I'm talking TV shows, have made it to 200 episodes. But I was thinking, do you know what the top shows of all time are with the most episodes? I feel you should know number one. It's a Monday Night Raw. No. <laughs> you wanted scripted television, didn't you? I got the top eight shows. All right, what you got? Most episodes. Come on. Think for a second of number one. It's been on TV the longest. Most episodes. You the, are a fan. The Simpsons? Yeah. yeah there you go. Simpsons have 728 episodes. We're coming for you, Matt Green. <laughs> oh, my gosh, please. Then we've got Gunsmoke. <laughs> wow. 635. Lassie. Whoa. 591. Law & Order SVU. Well, SVU was the longest. 516. Order. 466 for just basic Law & Order. Okay. NCIS and the Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet are tied at 435. Yikes. Bonanza, 431, and then Grey's Anatomy at 400. Huh, what Grey's Anatomy sneaking in there? Grey's Anatomy just keeps what happening. What is the deal with terrible cowboy shows from a thousand years ago? I think ago? that's just people like to. That show was on 600 episodes, never seen one. Don't ever want to see one. Don't really think I need to see one. Yeah, well, it's different now, but bunch that's of, what was on TV. That's what was good then. A bunch of clean cowboys drinking bottled water on, on screen. 635 episodes, though, people must have been enjoying some aspect of it. Well, you got three channels. It's the weather. There's gun smoke. <laughs> and then there's probably just a picture of the American flag like flapping in the wind or something like that. It's, it's the 50s. That's all they had on TV. I was thinking about that the other day. I was like watching a movie on our, you know, big old TVs that they make now. And I was like, remember when people watched TV on something that was like a foot wide oh. and it was black and white? And ever, it was just terrible. You ever accidentally like catch something on an old tube TV? You feel like you just got dirt in your eyes. You can't see anything. You're like, what is even happening on the screen right now? We're really lucky to at least live through the time of like these beautiful televisions. Yeah. I mean, you know. There's some other stuff I'd rather have as opposed to the televisions, but I'll take the uh, the high definition. And Correct. The 4D, 4D We're taking what, what we can get. Oh, did you watch the trailer? Were you the one who told me? I don't even remember. For the new uh, Game of Thrones oh, show. Oh, yeah. House is of out? the Dragon. Yeah, That's I'm excited, it. man. I read that book, so I already know what's going down. I mean, it craziness looks good. Craziness is happening, dude. And they're really making a Jon Snow, because I haven't seen anything in pre-production or anything. Is this definitely true? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, oh, uh, man. You take a wild guess at who pitched that show. Kid Harrington? How, who would have thought, right? But yeah, no, they, they definitely are making that show, and I think it's probably probably a good idea. I don't think it's just going to be a Jon Snow show. I'm sure Tyrion and them are going to be showing up as well. But I I mean, that would be cool. It's not, it's not like you got to worry about George R. R. Martin writing a book to contradict what you say, right? He's not writing any yeah. books. Who are you kidding? Yeah, never <laughs> happening. He's just hanging out in Jersey with Dr. Oz, just doing absolutely nothing. Speaking of Jersey, I'm really sad that we are just losing all of our wise guys 
out there. I know, man. Like this the, is getting weird. It's like that. Yeah, it's like Robert De Niro's. Like everybody's over here spending too much money, and everybody's everyone just protect Joe Pesci. Oh, P- uh, Pesci, man. Pesci and De Niro are on the clock. Let I me know tell you. it's really crazy to think about. But so today we are celebrating our anniversary, and to do that, we're gonna look back and use the ultimately just arbitrary measure of decade anniversaries um, as an excuse to revisit some films and TV shows that have withstood the test of time. Something tells me they're going to be wildly different between the two of us. I mean, that that always sounds good. Um, But, you know, truly, after all, the comforts of the past might just be the way to cope with the uncertainty of days to come. Yeah. That's, that's a what, way to put it, right? So We don't sound like we're panicking at all no, about the future, do we? I'm fine. With that in mind, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about some of the biggest anniversary moments that are happening in 2022. I mean, besides our 200th episode. Of course. I mean, that's one the, of the big that, ones. That's the big event of the year, if you ask me. Yeah. I mean, and what we're celebrating. So I'm just going to kick it off. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. So did you know it is the 10th anniversary this year? of Django Unchained. Oh, I love that movie, dude. That's probably my favorite Tarantino movie. It's really fantastic. It was released on Christmas of 2012. and Great, great Christmas movie. Yeah. Take, take Grandma to go see Django. She'll love it. <laughs> Just about any Tarantino film is deserving of a celebratory remembrance for sure. Yeah. But few stand out quite as much as his second attempt at the revisionist revenge history, which was Django Unchained. Jamie Foxx delivered a performance that really redefined um, black heroism in the American Confederate South. And then, as Jacob would say, Leonardo DiCaprio chewed the scenery so hard. Oh, he was all over it, he was, he, he was. He went back <laughs> to his critters three days with that seat. He just all was munching on it. Just his, he's a plantation-owning villain um, who infamously got so into a scene that he sliced open his hand on set. That is still a crazy scene to watch when Especially you Especially knowing you do that. he's just bleeding. Um, but we have crowd pleasing ultraviolence with a mythic quest to reunite lost love. Really, mm-hmm. a movie for everyone. And it really showcases Tarantino's greatest strengths as a pulp culture remix artist. We got a fantastic beard on Christoph Waltz this entire movie. Just. We Thick, do. luxurious. He's twirling it. It's pretty great. And I really you. love his kind of multidimensional refinement concepts like he did in Inglorious Bastards of just like we're taking history and we're just tweaking it a bit. And it's great. And 10 years later, Django remains as powerful as ever. So yeah. if you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. Funny to think that Will Smith was the original choice because, you know, <laughs> he was considered kind of a... Uh, not, you know, not tough enough to be it. And nowadays, well, he might fit a little bit more into that role. I Still feel work like he's him, just but. a little goofier, like, naturally. Like, his natural way is just sillier, and that wouldn't have worked as well. Even after the infamous slap, I still am not intimidated by Will Smith in the least bit. Like, you could have punched Chris Rock in the face, and you slapped him. So immediately, it's like, eh, you wouldn't have worked as Django, buddy. I wouldn't have bought it. Yeah, I don't know about any of that. But I am definitely was loved Jamie Foxx in that. So what do we have? What other anniversaries are we celebrating? All right, I'm going the completely different end of the spectrum. It is the 30th anniversary of the 1992 horror movie classic the Candyman. Are you a Candyman <laughs> fan? I watched Candyman because you talked about it on the show, and no, I'm not a fan. <laughs> no, you didn't, well, you want to talk about a movie that's got uh, still relevant to this day. They just put out the latest sequel in the Candyman franchise uh, last year. <laughs> yeah, that, that movie was very interesting. It's pretty good, although I will admit that 
it kind of is one of those movies right when it starts to feel like it's just about to get going, it ends. So you're like, oh, okay. oh I kind of Well, that's because they want to just make more and more and more. Yeah, like, come on, Jordan Peele, I wanted more of this movie. But if you don't know what it is, uh, this movie stars Virginia Madsen and the great Tony Todd, one of the best uh, horror movie actors of all time. I um, love him in Final Destination, oh, even though it's a small role. Well, he's playing death. So yeah. <laughs> like, anytime we can get him into something. This is the one that kind of, like, launched his career in general, this and like that Night of Living Dead remake, which was also very good. Okay. So it's based on a Clyde Barker short story, The Forbidden. Basically, it's about, you know, racism and the effects that it has on communities and, you know, the way it keeps people down. Because Tony Todd plays this guy who was a um, painter back in the slave times. Very famous painter, but he made the one mistake he didn't do around um, the Civil War times is he fell in love with a white lady. And they decided to, you know, get him back with that. They're going to cut his hand off, shove a hook in there, and cover him in honey and kill him with bees. So that's the it's origin story of the kingdom. not a great death right there. So then basically all that happens is if you go look into the mirror and you say his name five times, he's going to show up and he's going to murder you in some pretty horrific fashion. So that first movie, when you go back and watch it, it is a very interesting time capsule of like those early 90s horror movies. And it's a surprising also that it's had like the longevity that it has. Because like you said, it's not everybody's cup of tea in terms of horror movies. It's a little slow, a little methodical in what it's do- doing It wasn't there. the worst, but it wasn't my favorite, sure. Um, but the fact that it's still hanging around, that people still... It's one of the horror icons. Like People still know what that character is, even if they've never seen any of those movies. I still know not to say Candyman five times in a mirror. It is, <laughs> so. it is very Bloody Mary-esque where you still, yeah. get, you still get to that last time and you're like, yeah, just in case I'm going to go in and case, take I'm a pass on that um, So if you're looking to get yourself a... Uh, you know, to get some horror movie going, watch one that's got a sequel that's still going on. I'm sure there's going to be more of them. Go check out The Candyman. I guarantee you're going to have an interesting um, time with that. Sure. And you're not, <laughs> you're not going to be looking in mirrors saying nothing, let me tell you that, too. I, I agree with that. Okay, we, this year, this September, we have the 20th anniversary of Spirited Away. Oh, man, I love that movie. Studio Ghibli, man, that's my, those are my boys there. Studio Ghibli films have almost always been held up to the highest standard of anime storytelling. Um, I, I think animated storytelling, period. I think they're probably, like, the best. Yeah, definitely. And they never have reached any greater height, I think, than with 2002's Spirited Away. So this is the story of a young girl. She's brought into the spirit world and enslaved to a witch as she tries to save up enough money to buy herself and her pig-transformed parents' freedom. I mean, who hasn't been there, right? I mean, typical situation. This film is a gorgeous mixture of Ghibli's free-flowing, kind of the moodiness and the cavalcade of bizarre, awesome, super horrifying creature designs. You definitely can feel the creepiness while watching, oh, yeah. you know, a cartoon. Um, and it re- it often reveals more humanity below this kind of otherworldly exteriors than one might expect, um, which is just such a, a Miyazaki move. This is why he is considered such a master of his craft because you watch these films and they're absolutely magnetic. They're oh. wonderful. They're, they still all hold up. Like, the animation still looks fantastic. The stories are, like, because people like, always take animated movies like they're going to be, like, lighthearted fair, and the Ghibli movies are definitely not that. There's some serious stuff they're talking yeah, about Yeah, Princess movies. Mononoke is my personal favorite, but I absolutely adore Spirited Away, and I'm going to rewatch it this yeah. year for the 20th anniversary. I defy somebody to watch Grave of the Fireflies and not be upset by the end of that one, let me tell you. I mean, they're all just really moving. 
Yeah, yeah, that's pretty, a little Cat Returns, I think, is kind of a little lighter fare. Yes. I think we don't know Studio Ghibli. We're busting out the Cat yeah, Returns. We, on <laughs> we know what we're talking about on this show. <laughs> what else do we have, Mr. Jacob? All right, we got another one here coming up on 20 years. And All I right. thought I'd bring this up because it currently has the number one show on Netflix is going on related to this one. I'm trying to think. I feel like this is a thing I should know. Oh, you definitely know what it is. We got 2002, the 20th anniversary of the Resident Evil movie, the first one to hit theaters, the Mila Jovovich uh, adaptation, question mark. (laughs) Yeah, so I've heard. I have not seen any of them. You actually told me not to. Uh, well, you know, yeah. Tell I me don't, not to bother that it's just not going to be for you me. You just turn it on in the background and just <laughs> whatever. And then you're going to see her like flying around doing like multiple flips, killing zombies. She is hot. I don't mind seeing her flipping around. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, that's why you watch Mila Jovovich movies. It's not for the acting. I'll tell you that much. Mm. But but they're they're a fun seven Harsh. movies. Um, but the first one, what's surprising about it is one of the first that really. Like, Mortal Kombat, I guess, was the most successful of the video game adaptations, but Resident mm-hmm. Evil was the one that kind of took the basic premise, completely changed what the actual story is, and still somehow made it work. I mean, there are seven movies in this thing. I was going to say they must have made it work because I felt like every two years I'd be like, a trailer for another Resident yeah. Evil? Seven movies, over a billion dollars in box office. These well, movies are huge in, like, Asia especially. So what did you say the anniversary was? It's their 20th. Of the just the first movie. Yeah, so they've for, put a lot out in 20 years. Oh, yeah. they, they okay. Like I said, they're putting them out, like, every two years. Uh, the Net- Netflix now has a new TV show, Resident Evil, which is actually based on the – it's a sequel to the video games, not so much the uh, – the movies, but a little it's truer to the original story. It, it's complicated. It's one of those okay, like I don't the, need to know. <laughs> all the video games happened, and then this is just this happened like ten years after the video games happened. Okay, which makes some of the stuff in there like how's a dude that got shot by a rocket launcher into a volcano still alive? Yeah, we'll explain it later on. In That's the fine. They do that in soap operas all the time. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was all a dream. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for a mindless action movie that's got a lot of fun in there, Paul Anderson knows what he's doing behind a director's chair. So go check out the Resident Evil movie, and then you'll get sucked into the universe and have a good it's old a time. Paul. Paul W. S. Anderson. Oh, okay. Oh, you, you almost just knocked me out of my chair. I was like, "Excuse me." Make <laughs> that movie. Re- Paul Anderson's uh, Paul W. Anderson uh, just making the uh, Resident Evil movie. That's something. I'll uh, be there day one. <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis as Wesker. Oh my God. Paul T. Paul T. Anderson. Paul I, T. Anderson. Gotta, you know, it's okay. Gonna, There's a lot of letters out yeah. there. Um, so I'm moving up now to the 30th anniversary. We're going further back in time. This came out in June of 1992. And I'm talking about Batman Returns. It's interesting you went with Batman Returns. All right. I mean. See where your loyalties lie. I like this movie. It's kind of the unhinged, perverse spectacle that I think really marked Tim Burton as a master of his craft in his prime. Yeah. I love that movie. It really pushed the boundaries of what a superhero movie could be in 1992 because you have to think, like, at that time, the genre was still really defined by, like, the looming shadow of Richard Donner's Superman. Right. Which, Um, yeah. And even Tim Burton's previous Batman, we didn't really have a lot going on there. Um, but unlike those, Batman Returns has elements of there's a lot of body horror, mm-hmm. especially in like Danny DeVito's The Penguin. We got weird BDSM Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman stuff going on. There's the kind of anti-capitalist commentary in Christopher Walken's character. We've got the backdrop of Christmas and the holiday spirit, which makes this one of those weird Christmas staple films, mm-hmm. which I love. 
Um, Warner Brothers infamously did not know what to do with this supposedly kid-friendly film at the time. Oh, no, they were like, what is this mess? And this is what killed the potential for Burton to make any further sequels. They were like, we're done with you. You're not involved anymore. But I think time has only deepened the appreciation for this particular installment in the whole, you know, um, Batman world. Yeah, because it's definitely a Tim Burton movie. You could tell that unlike the first movie, he yes. this he wrote this one. Like every, He's got his fingerprints all over this movie. And maybe falling out of a window and cats licking milk off your face doesn't make you wake up and be kind of a superhero but whatever it's better it's still better than the Halle Berry reason or whatever the heck was going on oh, in that man, movie that movie is so bad that I, I actually enjoy it I can understand it's so terrible Batman Returns is a divisive movie man I remember when I was a kid it wasn't my favorite I like it now more as an adult but I can understand why Warner Brothers was like what happened here and, yes and then they're like we're gonna totally change it and make a sequel with, we're gonna get Joel Schumacher and yeah they just couldn't wild. figure it out after that I like Batman Forever but yikes is that a that is a tone shift, man. I cannot believe that those movies are technically sequels to each other. Like, I it's barely just... even remember them. But I do. I mean, nothing will top the first Batman for me. That's my all-time favorite. But Batman Returns, definitely worth a, a visit on its anniversary. Fantastic movie, especially with Michael Keaton coming back, <sighs> allegedly, if they ever actually get to release that movie, which that's up in the air Oh, now. my God. I am just currently watching Dope Sick, and his performance is just out of this world. Mm-hmm. He is such a phenomenal. This is why, as a grown woman at my desk at work, I... I have a picture of Michael Keaton hanging up. That says a lot right there. Which which, uh, which picture is it? Like from Birdman? Or no, no. Like... It's just like a recent picture of him that was in a magazine looking all grizzled and wonderful. Right. No problem with that. That's a Love him. Don't, such a talent. Such a good and depressing show, too. Yikes, man. Yes, it really is. Wait, wait till you get to the end. You're going to love it. Um, okay. So another one that's coming up, the 2002 some people call it the best drama of all time. We got another 20th anniversary for The Wire on oh. HBO. All right, best drama of all time. Yeah, I, like, I concur. Yeah, the uh, the David Simon, uh, you know, what's the word there? Just like like love piece because he was, you know, he worked with the Baltimore Police for a big part of his career. It's yeah. based on his book. Um, I think it's Hom- Well, he wrote Homicide: Life on the Streets. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that he had like a book named Homicide as well. But can't remember. Oh, Clockers. That's what it is. Clockers, okay. So Clockers is basically the book version of The Wire because a lot of the stuff is in both versions and the movie. What a show. But, yeah, The Wire, you want to talk about a crime drama that really, like, hits it out of the park. There's This is almost like a perfect show as you go back and watch it. I've recently checked it out again, and it's still engrossing. Even the season that people complained about, I was like, I loved that season. I went back, and you know what? I agree. Like, season two, it was actually pretty good. I yeah. can understand why we hated it at the time, but, like, yes. watching it again, it totally makes sense why it's there. Um, the show also launched so many careers. I mean, Idris Elba and Michael B. Jordan being the two biggest examples of, like, huge stars that popped off it but like dominic west he's still making he still pops up he's about to play um prince charles in the the crown this coming season so is he yeah go figure on that casting um but yeah this is like ed burns and not edward burns because we don't want no tom petty's getting played in the (laughs) here um but it's like such a grounded dirty version of like crime in the streets and it's such like a base level street level view of it 
is just so good. And then they had their pseudo sequel companion thing that just came out with uh, We Own These Streets, I think it's called. The, oh, uh, I want to watch that. That's another good one. If you yeah, like, it looks if, good. If it's you on like the, the list. Yeah, if you like The Warrior, you'll definitely like that show. I like that actor, too. What's his name? Oh, John Bernthal? Yeah. yeah everybody loves John Bernthal. That's, he that's looks like he could just lose it at any minute, and I respect it. Yeah, good. <laughs> he, he was like the perfect choice for Punisher. That's why they're like, we're that dude, he's going to be in our movies eventually. Yeah, I get that. Oh, But yeah, you want to go check out an awesome crime show? Forget your lawn orders man go watch the 60 episodes of the wire Be- much better it's a good call that's a good call love me some law and order but you can't compete with the wire no no we can only have people like still putting away boxes as who police. was the real mumbly character what was their name we, there was a couple of them on there lester was that the... no 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 the girl that was putting all the bodies in the building oh snoop Snoop. Yes, oh boy, Snoop. Man, she was amazing. Man, that was like, ooh, man. That I think these seasons. people were like actual gangsters. Like, they weren't actors. They, she like, d- found people on the streets to be in the show. She of. definitely was, was one of the ones that was like, we just found her and we liked her and we put her in the show. Yeah. And it turns out she was really good in it. So. <laughs> yeah, awesome show. Okay, I'm going to do two right now because it is both of their 40th anniversaries. Oh, man. Um, E.T., the extraterrestrial, came out in 82. Um just forever. Yeah, ET will never get old. Spielberg classic right there. It's really funny. Did you know that it was inspired by Spielberg's imaginary friend that he invented in the aftermath of his parents' divorce? You little, yeah, little ET guy, little yeah. ET buddy. So it's like sad. Should we be thankful that the Spielbergs didn't have a happy marriage? Well, I don't know how to uh, feel about yeah, that. Like, especially like, oh, my imaginary friend died in my living room and then we threw a bunch <laughs> It's of very out. sad. <laughs> the story of childhood friendship across cultural and language barriers was such a huge hit 40 years ago that it actually dethroned Star Wars as the highest grossing film ever made at the time. And it's not hard to see why. No, and I, I would love to think of the argument that Spielberg and George Lucas had. He's like, hey, George, what are you doing? Oh, hey, Stephen. Stephen, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm making out, a movie take, that's better. Taking out my movie, I'm going to make a couple sequels. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, not only is E.T. just the most adorable childhood figure, but the film... I think is so respected because it's really fraught with very real anxieties and that kind of xenophobic government's fear of the unknown, Mm -hmm. underlying tones of that, and a hopeful message about how childlike um, naivete may just allow us to kind of forge the bonds that are necessary to communicate with each other and with the stars, maybe. It's so hopeful. It's a not-so-subtle... you know, influence on Stranger Things as well. So it's still having like a pop culture influence to this day. Yeah, always. And then other 40th anniversary, our favorite, The Thing. Oh. That means we get a rewatch this year. Yes, we do. And I am all about it. Best horror movie ever made, man. Best horror movie ever made. If anyone ever questions the need for practical effects in the age of CGI, point them to John Carpenter's The Thing. Movie still looks crazy nowadays. Like that head crab, that thing is still freaky. 100%. And it's really crazy when I think about how this was not a big success when it was released. It was actually a huge failure. Yeah. But through the 40 years now, it's become such a cult hit on home video and I think in no small part because the practical effects work is so convincingly utilized that you actually might believe that this body morphing otherworldly presence is lurking in these Antarctic researchers. Like you get really into it. Like mm-hmm. Jacob said, the stuff looks real. It's totally scary. And we're not even talking about some of these like really great performances yeah, just Kurt Russell being a total babe at that time. Oh, I mean, he's got that beard. That's all you need, that beard and that hair. Like, 
hundred percent. I mean, Carpenter's filmography is full of tons of bangers, but The Thing, top dog. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, this is like, you imagine this is the time where like you didn't really always know what movies were about. So I like to think that people went to go see E.T. Oh E.T. was <laughs> sold out. So they're like, well, this other alien movie's out. Let's go see what the things, what's going on with The Thing. And they just had their mind So that people saw it, though, but did they not like it? Or did people just not go see it? Like, why was it such a failure? Kind, you of, know? kind of both. Mm-hmm. Like, critics were like, oh, it's nothing but gore. There's nothing else to it. Like, people just, like, didn't ignore it at the time. And then, like, when people actually got to see it at home videos, like, what are they talking about? This movie is awesome. Love it. It's like all John Carpenter movies. You'll, no, you don't really like them until you see them a couple years later, and you're like, oh, this guy really knew what he was doing. Yeah, good call there. I think I want to go watch it. Then I'm going to go, like, get really mad watching that sequel. This October, when all I do is read and watch horror, that will be in the mix. There you go. All right, so I'll do a couple quick ones here just because, okay. uh, you know, as always. Um, it's the 30th anniversary of Alien 3. They, oh. All known primarily. Oh. <laughs> you know what's the funniest part? <laughs> We're not even going to get into the plot. Alien 3. Not no, necessary. <laughs> not, not one of the greatest Alien movies by a long shot. It is funny to think that this movie was David Fincher. Yes, that David Fincher. That's wild. This is his first movie. He at, had to learn. He had to grow. Yeah, and that the studio was like, this guy is a terrible director and the movie that he wanted to make is bad and he'll never do anything so we're going to recut it. I have seen uh, that um, version that's like more aligned to what his okay. original vision was. It's better. Not great, but much okay. better. It makes it fixes some of the problems like the fact the alien size changes from one scene to another because oh in the one cut he comes from a bull and the other version he comes from a dog so they didn't really know what they were doing mm-hmm. there. They didn't want to kill Sigourney Weaver, his dude, an android. But, you know, it is such an interesting movie because what, the, how much they changed from the previous movie. Like Aliens, one of the best action movies of all time. This one more of like a stuck-in-a-prison kind of dark dink. Boring. Yeah. Well, Fincher, so boring. Fincher was the wrong director to pick yes. this movie for sure. Um, but if you're looking for an interesting time capsule of sequels gone wrong and, like, you know, <laughs> even fantastic directors kind of stumble every once in a while, that one's worth checking out. Um, it's the 10th anniversary of Avengers, Michelle. Oh, boy. Since we just had the next two movies announced for oh, 2025. It makes fun to punch through a wall, but okay. <laughs> you're, you're gonna, you better start learning what the Kang Dynasty and what Secret Wars means. Never, you're hear a lot ever. <laughs> so it's the 10th anniversary of Marvel's first big team-up movie that basically created cinema as we know it nowadays. Oh, it's I love it. Michelle hates it. So take that I tells hate you. There's just so many. When will it stop, Jacob? It's it needs to stop. It's never going to stop. It's dude. too many. No, it's never going to stop, man. We they planned out for at least another what year? Thirteen years. Someone out there can't get the thing made. You know, a film like that because they're too busy making all these Avenger films. That's what annoys yeah, me about it. I like that people love it. And if it existed in its own track, but I feel like it is definitely making studios not make. Other well, films. that and, like, nobody's going to see, like, unbearable weight of massive talent. Like, movies, nobody goes to see movies like that when they do get made. So then they're like, well, we're just not going to make these movies At anymore. least that Everything Everywhere All the Time movie did well. I think it's yeah. coming back to theaters. It is. It's the did biggest. Did you watch it? Uh, not yet. But it's like I did. The, it was awesome. Is it? It's the biggest A24 movie, man. I am looking forward to it. Um, 40th anniversary of First Blood, the first Rambo movie. <laughs> These are so Jacob. Yeah, talk, talk. That first one, First Blood is good. I would not say the same thing about the other movies because they kind of just get the action. I liked First Blood, yeah. Um, Five movies, five Rambo movies. I can't believe they stretched it out that long. It's just (laughs) crazy to think of. 
Um, and then if you want to go straight action, 2011's The Raid Redemption. Oh, this is just one of the best action movies. 2011 period. or 12? It wouldn't be 10 years. Depends, right, on, who, depends on who you talk to. Depends in America, on the country. Yeah. And okay. It originally came out in 2011 in its home country. It came out in 2012 in America. Excellent movie. You just want to watch a guy go from the bottom floor to the roof and just massacre people with awesome kung fu and karate scenes. Directed by Gareth Edwards, the man behind Rogue One and... Uh, Godzilla remake, so yeah. it's a great movie. If you it's haven't a seen great, it, I will agree. It's a great movie. Fantastic action stuff, man. All right. Check out Dread while you're at it, because it's the same movie, just taking out Kung Fu I for did, guns. I did not like Dread. <laughs> I have to mention, because of all of our recent passings, The Godfather, oh. 50th anniversary, happened this year. Um, it's crazy. There is definitely a certain audacity to Francis Ford Coppola adapting a pulpy crime novel into a three-hour epic. Yeah. Yeah, and he made it work, though. He made it work. Th- made there's it work no for, doubt two. about the staying power of the Godfather. He made it work two out of three times. You know, we, we're not all perfect. Yes. Don't, um, don't put your daughter in stuff. That's all I'm saying. Gave us Marlon Brando's most iconic performance, Al Pacino's star-making performance, James Caan, R.I.P. Yep. Um, excellent. Loved him in those films so much. It's a real film that's defined by equal parts, quiet artistry, and just bombastic violence. Still works today, too, if you go back and watch it. That first movie still... Still rocks. Oh, yeah. That's, it's the greatest gangster movie of all time. Debatable, but it's yeah. definitely up there. And I, then, I would have liked a couple, you know, how many years are passing because it's a little nebulous. But that is true. That's, that's like, we don't know. Just You'll watch figure it. it out. Just look at his bruise. You'll be all right. And the longest 100th anniversary this year of Nosferatu. <laughs> oh, boy. 100. Man. Now, whether or not you've actually seen this 100-year-old silent film... You're um, obviously you're aware of the influence of its portrayal on vampires in popular culture. Yeah, me. this kicked it off. I saw it a couple of years ago. North Park played it, and they had a band come to do all the music. Oh, that's cool. It was awesome. It was an awesome film. I really enjoyed it. It's a little long. Whoa. You're like, all right, let's move it around. But it's really crazy because it almost did not survive the test of time. So when Bram Stoker's heirs sued the filmmakers for making an unauthorized adaptation of Dracula, a German court ordered all of the copies of the film destroyed. They're like, you can't do that. But if that had happened, if all of them had been destroyed, you know, it would be gone and we would have lost one of the most foundational films of horror cinema. So it's really fantastic. If you've never seen it, it's definitely worth checking out. Um... It is a silent film, but it's a masterpiece. Yeah, I never saw the original. I saw the Werner Herzog version, but I never saw the original one. So I'm very interested to... If North Park ever does that again, where they bring a band in, definitely do it. It's Any a... of the silent films that way are super, super cool. Yep, I'm sure they will. They're going to bust it out when they do, like, Frankenstein and Dracula and stuff for, like, you know, whatever yeah. they get for free, and then they can bust up, make yeah, some money fun, off of it. It's fun stuff. But sadly, Jacob, be sad... On our 200th episode, we are now out of time, sir. Why don't you plug us up? As has happened 199 times <laughs> before us, we got more stuff to talk about, but we are out of time. But you know who does not run out of time? Your local library. Whoa. We got 37 branches all throughout Erie County. Stop on by and say hi. Uh, just don't forget to visit our website as well at www.buffalolib.org. See what kind of programs, books, and stuff we got going on. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at allbookedupod. And let us know what anniversaries you got coming up yourself. Yeah, we love that stuff. Okay, 
some facts that I tried to be like are kind of about about important events, at least in history, and things okay. we might not know. Do you know in the French Revolution, yes, Louis the Sixteenth and Marie Antoinette fled the palace, and they tried to go incognito when the revolution broke out. They're like, we need to bounce out of here. But a postman thought that he recognized them, and then he confirmed his suspicions. <laughs> By just holding up and comparing the king's face to a banknote. <laughs> uh, uh, that's pretty great. It's hard. To... That's actually that's, that's pretty fine. I know it ended kind of tragically for but, him, yes. but still, that's a pretty funny way yeah, to get well, caught. Well, you got me. Um, also crazy, I didn't know. So the Iran hostage crisis we've heard about forever, where Iran kept 52 Americans hostage. Such a big deal. But such a big deal that the media largely ignored the siege of Mecca that was also happening, in which terrorists took 100,000 people hostage. Whoa. Yeah, just, we were like, well, we're reporting on this, so well, didn't even know that happened. Yeah, this is the first I'm hearing of that, so yep. it's like, well, yeah, they're like 100,000 people from the Middle East, Whoops. 52 Americans, it's kind of the same way, unfortunately, they're still looking at it to this I day. I know, no good there. Um, George V's death, let's see if you know this, King George V was actually euthanized, so his staff wanted his death to make the morning papers, he's not doing well. <laughs> Rather than the evening ones, so they were like, well, let's just put him to death with drugs without his consent. I believe that's called murder. That's the <laughs> last I checked. Yeah, that, that fits all the <laughs> definitions of murder. I knew oh. Queen Elizabeth was up to something. Oh, God. Okay, a couple more because I love these. You ever heard of Harriet Quimby? Uh, isn't she married to Mayor Quimby? Oh, you're the dumbest. She thought she was going to make history by being the first female pilot to cross the English Channel. But she should have picked a better day because that day was when the Titanic sunk and no one uh, cared at all. Uh, <laughs> Such a bummer. She's, you imagine she lands a plane like, hey, everybody, look what I did. And they're like, shh, there's a tragedy going on. <laughs> so bummer. Um, Lewis and Clark didn't know a lot about them. This was an interesting fact. They ate their pet dogs. Jerks. Well, and this wasn't even out of desperation. Everyone had just grown really tired of eating salmon. So eventually they had a lot of dogs with them. They just started eating them. It's like, bro, you're like literally in the like 1700s America. Go kill a deer, Go yo. Kill, kill a, deer. a rabbit. Like anything. There's more options than salmon, my dude. All right. That two- Sacagawea <laughs> comes over there and she's like, what are you like, doing? This is disgusting. Savages. Okay. Couple more. World War One. We've got two drinking buddies, okay? British commander Edmund Rhodes and German captain burnt. They found themselves suddenly on opposite sides when the war broke out. So Rhodes fired at Burnt's ship, and then Burnt was like, cool, one shot, I surrender. And then the two literally left and went back to drinking. <laughs> like, all right, we're done. We're out. I don't need to do all this. I love it so much. And then the final one, because, you know, I'm always ending on a bummer. Um, we always remember Live Aid is the most successful charity concert of all time. Oh, yeah. But when you track where the proceeds went, they often went right into the dictator's hands without any stipulations that were used to like purchase arms. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that the concert actually killed more people than it saved. Yeah, well, you know, you gotta read the fine print of those contracts, man. You gotta make sure you got all that <laughs> yeah, stuff written in there. But also, um, 200th episode information, Jacob and I, as we age and we're just old and out of energy, we're actually switching the show to every other week. So you 
you're going to get two new episodes a month. Um, we're going to try to make them a little bit longer so we're not as cut off at the end. But we appreciate everyone who has stuck with us through 200 episodes. Go back, listen to some old ones. We really appreciate it. And hey, we will catch you next time. Bye.